It's Brandon Kyle Goodman, and welcome to Black Folks. On this show, I have the honor of talking to black people of various identities about our lives and how being black has shaped our experiences. This week, I talked to director, writer, creator, and producer Justin Simeon. He's the creator of the movie and Netflix hit series, Dear White People. We had so much fun talking about some of the important songs that have shaped us, our favorite Housewives franchise, and and what it means not to see black gay culture depicted in our media. So here is my wonderful conversation with Justin Simeon. Hi, Justin. Hi, Brandon. How are you? Woo! Oh, that's a loaded question. I, I started... <laughs> Uh, let, let me let me try again. How have you been in the last ten minutes? Woo! There we go. I'm here for I that. I just do. I just ancestral woo when people ask me that now. That's kind of all I got. That's all there, you got. Just there might release. be words for it, but I haven't found them yet. <laughs> I'm every day just trying to figure out how to articulate this more and more. You know, I have a white husband. I'm trying to articulate to him. He just sees me walking around quietly. <laughs> <laughs> in my feelings and he's like what's going on no i know i have to have cross racial conversations with my partner as well all the time well let me <laughs> let's start this way i like to have my guests introduce themselves so you introduce yourself anything you want us to know starting with your pronouns oh okay so he him justin simeon is my name uh i'm a filmmaker i'm a storyteller yeah, you are. Fuck yeah. yes. Uh, you're very, very important story makers for filmmakers. Thank you. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm going to plug you for yourself, Dear White People, uh, yes. Bad Hair. And you're relaunching your podcast. Yes, yes. Sorry, I should have plugged better. Um, no, it's so, okay. yes. So, Dear White People is probably what most people know me for. Uh, but Bad Hair is coming out on Hulu October 23rd. It is a nutso horror movie about a killer weave, literally. And, um, and I have a podcast called Don't At Me, which is essentially, you know, uh, really shady conversations between me and other typically black, but, you know, um, sort of marginalized people who are also creators in this in this interesting industry called Hollywood. In this, you know, it's funny. I actually, uh, I was. I also talk about how I know my guests, and I came to the live uh, record. With you and Lena. Oh Lena my Wave. God, yeah, at the LA Film Festival. Yes, I yeah. sat right up at the top, and baby, I, I did leave just weeping with joy from <laughs> all of your inspirational stories. So I'm we very excited. We keep it real. You, we keep it real. We try to give it a little shade. <laughs> Some some gems, you know, some stuff you could use in your life, but also it's really just an excuse to like talk to people. Talk I'm shit such to a, people. I'm such an introvert. I feel like the most like uh, conversation I get is doing my podcast or doing things like this. Yes. Well, let's. How about we get into it then? Let's I'm get a, into it. I'm gonna ask you the black folks question of the day. So this okay. is coming out in a few weeks, and so anyone watching this, this is a particularly heavy week, uh, and so I would like to ask a joyous question, mm. uh, so that we can have a little bit of black joy inside of our lives. So my question today is, what is the most important song in 
Saving Your Life by a Black Artist and Why? It's a heavy question. You got to pick one. What? Yes, one. Yes. Pick that one. I have one. to pick my favorite song by you a black the, artist. The most important song in your life by a black artist and why? And we know it'll change often, but right now, in this moment, what is it? And why? Your face. Um, Don't be mad. Don't be mad. I am, and I'm going to have to, like, Spotify a little bit. Because I just feel like the most important, like, um, okay, you know what I will say? Someday we'll all be free by Donny Hathaway. This is, like, I, this actually hit me last night. Like, that is a song that, like, when I know that, like, I'm, I'm feeling some the fires of the world, but I haven't cried yet. I haven't, like, acknowledged it, like... You know, like especially with like this Jacob Blake stuff, it's like you know you 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 see the little headlines, but you're doing other things, and it's just like it's slowly growing in the subconscious, and then you finally read the articles and you look at the video and all this stuff. Yes, and so someday we'll all be free uh, is a go-to for me, um, just because you know that song was written for Donnie, who was going through uh, a lot of mental disorders and things mm -hmm. and and he's singing the song but it was actually written for him um to you know help him sort of try to survive as a yeah. black man and um and it's just a it's just a song that just holds me like a hug it lets me cry it's a beautiful song yeah that's a good option wait i'm i'm gonna give you one and then i'm gonna ask for a yes. second one because i saw your face and i want to give you an opportunity to give us a second one as well okay i want to give give you a gift i've got i've got both now <laughs> yeah. i've got them both in my it just took me a second that's a big question it's a big i know well these questions are big and then we we bring it back in so what's your second okay. one give me your second one right now you ready for it yeah i'm ready it's believe in yourself from the whiz and specifically, wow. it's the Diana Ross version. Of course the, it is. The Lena Horne version goes real hard. Yes. But the Diana Ross version where she sounds like she's on the brink of tears. I, my gay black ass. I literally sit and listen to that song sometimes. Because, like, they're so, you know, we're so engrossed in the business of seeing the horror and telling others about the horror yeah that sometimes you just need like diana ross telling you to believe in yourself <laughs> like seriously like it is the salve sometimes that i need wait diana ross sings that song i thought mm -hmm. she sings so she sings it there's like a pre-version of it that she sings to you know scarecrow and the lion and Tim oh Man. yes and then she turns around and it's like but what about me and the lena horn's like boom yes. and then she like really gives it to you but there's like a little pre-part that diana does it's like a heartbreak and i love it i mean when she sings home at the end that brink of Woo! tears Home is the one too, but be, believe in yourself. I love because it's like it's not the one everyone thinks about from the Wiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it is the song that for me is like why the Wiz is important because it was that song in the original show too. It was like black people, like we are just as important and our stories are just, just as, important as important as the white versions. <laughs> yes, and, uh, you have we we have a right to tell them, and it, it really like it actually tells my soul what it needs to hear. Did you know? So did you know the Wizard of Oz before you knew the Wiz? Or? The first movie I ever remember ever ever seeing is the Wiz. When I was a, yes, a, like before I could speak, I remember seeing that scene where they confront Richard Pryor and turning to my mom and trying to tell her, but I didn't have I couldn't speak English. This is literally my first like memory yeah. of seeing a movie is watching the Wiz. 
I didn't know. I somebody had to tell me the Wizard of Oz. The Wiz was based off of the Wizard of Oz. Oh, same. Oh, knew, yeah. Oh no. I, was I had to. Oh yeah. I had to figure that out. I remember like. Tele, I remember like. Uh, oh, my cat is gonna be all up. She just waits quietly until the Zoom starts, and then it's like my she's time like to right shine. Through it. Oh, she's gonna be making herself known. I love um, that. But yeah, yeah. I remember finding that out and being like, wait. What? Who? Judy what? what? Judy, Judy who? who? I don't know who that is. <laughs> okay, wait. Now let me give you my song. So yes. I feel like, and I, I'm, I, because they're about to do their verses uh, on Monday, I feel like Ooh. it's important for me to say that Brandy was my original Beyonce. Before oh, there was Beyonce, yeah. for me, oh, come Brandy on. Yep. had... Brandy's the best. Uh, and so I'm gonna say almost doesn't count really. To th- I mean, right now it's still right. Ooh. It still hits. It hits. It all hits. the all the Brandy shit hits. Like, what's your favorite Brandy song? Honestly, I I'm gonna go to Wanna Be Down just because like I have a very specific sure. memory of that song coming on on the radio in the morning and waking me up for school. You know what I mean? So like I have a yes. very like nostalgic feeling for that song but particularly like the uh the full moon album that whole album like oh my god i just li- would listen he to that album on- on that- oh he is <laughs> it's like the deep cuts yes! they go so hard yes! and like b rocket and all that like um you know yeah, Roddy yeah. Jerk and stuff oh that was like I- my sweet spot was i was in boarding spot. school when that album came out and i was so mad because at the time i was dating this white woman and she was oh. <laughs> this white okay. woman so you're, a silver, you're a silver star <laughs> come on and so i wanted she wanted to borrow my my uh my brandy album and i let uh-huh. her borrow the full moon album and i wow. never saw it again and you this is what? like pre-itunes so i was real tight i was I would have been very upset. That would not have been okay. It would not have been okay. I mean, you know, (laughs) obviously the relationship didn't work out for us. Yeah, it didn't work out for other reasons, I guess. But, (laughs) you know, that certainly feels like the the main main reason. That was the main reason it didn't work out. And frankly, it was a really good call. So. You I mean, know? anyone who's going to take your Brandy album and not give it back, that's not a trash, that's a trash person. No, Let's just no, call it not before it we live together. No. No. Uh-uh. And what's my other song? What's another song? Um, uh, I kind of want to say like, obviously like Brandy Cinderella, but I'll try and go uh. living single theme song. I'm going to just throw it in there. Okay. That is adorable. <laughs> what is the most important song to you right now? Living, Living single, single theme, theme song. song. That's the best answer. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if there's a title to it. All I know In is that in a 90s kind of world, I'm glad you're glad that you have your girls. Put your and hands up. What? Put your hands up. That's right. Uh, I'm not mad at it. Wait, let me ask you. What's your favorite 90s sitcom? Hmm. I'll even let you do early 2000s, 90s, early 2000s. 90s, I mean, I guess it's Living Single. I mean, yeah. that's like the classic. It's like Living Single is kind of like Golden Girls, where like when you put it on, it just always hits. Like it always fucking works. Um, yeah, I guess I guess so. But I also like, I was really like into like Girlfriends. Oh, and like that whole era, like the UPN era. Like I was the super Parkers, into all those. Moesha, one on one. Not as much the Parkers, but yeah, I watched some <laughs> Moesha. I'm just keeping it real. I didn't really watch. And the I Parkers. appreciate, I appreciate that. I have nothing against anybody involved, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I loved yeah. it. I loved my, um, I love my, um, my Parkers Moesha back to back. I love like, that they both existed, but I would, I would watch Moesha and then like politely. <laughs> 
put on something else. I'm keeping it honest, guys, because I'm black gay and I'm a nerd. So sometimes I would watch Star Trek. Oh, sorry. I know. The team. I was a very, was now, a very confused you, child. You got to explain to me because Star Trek is not it's Star Wars. I know that. It's oh girl, yeah, no, it is not. I know that. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, Pat- Patrick Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. He was on one of the Star Treks. Yes. There are multiple. There are so many. Yes. I believe uh, during this time period. Okay, so the 90s is Star Trek The Next Generation, which okay. is Patrick Stewart, Whoopi Goldberg, LeVar Burton. It's like the big one. Okay. Then there's also Deep Space Nine. That's the one with the black captain. But they don't fly anywhere. They just stay on the one space station. So what they and doing? They just hanging out, you know. They talking about religion and stuff. Oh, okay. and then uh, and it's like different cultures, like mixing in the space station. It's like okay. a whole thing. And then there's Star Trek Voyager, where the white lady captain gets lost in deep space, uh-huh. and they have to find their way back. So now you get it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's happening right now? Doesn't CBS have one right now? There are two going on right now. There's one with um, and I I, I don't know why I have to explain Star Trek by the black people involved in it, <laughs> but I just. That's I know, where we're we, at right we are, now. That's where we are, yes. <laughs> but there's I, like I appreciate a, there, it. There's like a black lady Star Trek right now called Star Trek Discovery, which is the shit. And yes. actually like really fucking fun and you don't have to know Star Trek to like get into it. Okay. And then, and then there's Star Trek Picard, which is the next generation cast. Um, and it kind of helps to like know a little bit about Star Trek uh, Next Generation. Okay. And then I saw there's a cartoon. Cast. I just there's saw a, Billboard, Billboard in Hollywood. They're and doing a cartoon. all of it, honey. They're doing all of it. There's a cartoon. I don't watch the cartoon. Not not out of like protest or anything. I just, just you, know. you just haven't. You, you're busy. I just haven't had, haven't had time. <laughs> you're, I haven't had time. You're busy. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. My favorite '90s sitcom, apart from Living Single. Ooh, I want to say like hanging with Mr. Cooper. Woo! Okay, okay. But is that the favorite? I don't know if that's the favorite. Is that the favorite? Yeah, I don't I'm, know if that's the I'm, favorite, I'm... but I appreciated it. I also kind of went through a living color in there, even though it's not really a sitcom. It's more a variety show. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. The more and more I think about it, like that show was really fucking important. It is. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. I never. Yeah. I didn't watch it when it was on. I understand that they birthed like literally. Uh, yeah, Hollywood a galaxy royalty. of stars. A galaxy of stars. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't watch it when it was on. I, put, you know, I wanted. I watched Mad TV. I was a Deborah oh, me Wilson. Too. Me too. Deborah Wilson. Deborah Wilson. Phil Lamar. Mm-mm, my favorites. I mean, I, I had Phil Lamar on Don't At Me the other day, and he's he did my favorite Michael Jackson impersonation of all time. Uh, there's, a, there's there's a skit called Action Jackson uh-huh. on Mad TV where it's like Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor and like children and bubbles like like solving crimes and it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen and it like it's so like his Michael Jackson is just so Is it on YouTube? Yeah, you can find it on okay. YouTube. Yeah, they yeah. did amazing impressions on that show. I mean, uh, Deborah Wilson's Whitney was woo! it's the best one. Legendary. The best one. <laughs> Legendary. Easily. Wait, I still gotta give you a 90s sitcom that is my favorite. I think it's That's Living not Single. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. That's not Hang with Mr. Cooper, because I appreciated Hang with Mr. Cooper. But even now, like it's on Hulu and I still watch Living Single instead. So it has to yeah, be Living Single. Wait, so who's your if you Living Single, let's just how about we just dive into Living Single? Okay. Who was your favorite character on Living Single? God damn. It's like either between Tootie or... How dare uh, you? Regine, please. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? It's either between Regine or Max. I think it's probably Max. 
Yes, I, I'm the same between Regine and, and Max. Maxine but I, th- I think I'm Regine. I think I want to be Max, but I think I'm Regine. And see, I think it's the other way around for me. Like, I think I want to be Regine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But my shady ass, you know, Is I know Max. who I am. Uh. <laughs> now what do you feel let's talk about it what do you feel about uh you know the 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 living single friends of it all well it's just i mean there's no opinion to be had um why did I call her Maxine Sinclair? Her name is Maxine Shaw. <laughs> I um, there's no opinion to be had. It came first. Like living single, like literally came first. So like, yes. it didn't. You know. So what is frustrating is that I'm not saying Friends is bad. I personally never got into Friends. It was always on. You know, I I really was introduced to Friends when I went to college, and you know, had no choice but to be like around white people all of the time, and they loved it. And I tried, but I never. I just never. I just never got it. I never, I just never, it just never like connected with me. Um, But, you know, all of the things it was lauded for, like being like the first sitcom to be about a group of friends and not a family and like all these conventions that it supposedly broke. Living Single did all of those things first. Yes. And frankly, like makes me laugh like to this day. Like, Like, and, and, and that's not a race thing. Like my, you know, my partner is white. Like we will both sit there and watch some living single episodes. And cackle. And cackle. It's hilarious. Yes. But what do you, I guess I want to formulate, formulate this question. Cause here's my question. When you went to school, was it college or high school that your that your white friends were watching friends? College. Because I went to performing arts high school in Houston, Texas. It was very diverse. And uh, frankly, we didn't really watch TV. We were at the damn school all the time rehearsing and shit. So, like, you know, so college was like when I first like hit white people TV culture. Because like everyone just watched TV all the time. You'd be in the lounge, you know, everyone gathering to watch the same show and all that shit. So, like, you know, then I really couldn't avoid it. And so, what's that experience? Like, is it, are you just watching because you're with them or like what, what is I wasn't, I just noted that they were watching. <laughs> I tried, I think I tried once to like go to like a friend's viewing party and I was just like, I don't get it. Don't I'm sorry. And y'all are really into this shit. And when when you're, you know what it is, like when you're around a group of people who are really into something and you don't get it, you can't watch with them because yes. like, I just become the shadiest person alive. And I start like thinking very bad thoughts about like, I just, <laughs> because I need to be in opposition or something. I'm not sure, yeah, yeah. but I, I don't know what it is, but I, just, I wish I, I was I with you. I, I, I started to, so- I think season 10 or whatever the final season was, was when I was in high school. And so like uh-huh. I was in boarding school. And so everybody, I mean like tears, weeping, people yeah. cry, like emotional, emotional. And I just couldn't give a fuck. Couldn't relate. I couldn't relate. But you know couldn't what white relate. show I could relate to? I What's fucked that? with Will and Grace. I fucked with Will and Grace. I loved Will and Grace back in the day. Why do you think we fucks with Will and Grace and not friends? Because it's gay. Okay. That makes sense. Because it was it's shady. Gay? It was sh- Their humor was shady. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, as gay black men, we kind of have to get it where we can get it. You know what I mean? Like, we have to get some culture where we can get it. And I think Friends is so, for me, and I'm not saying this is why I didn't connect with it, but it's just also true. Friends is so devoid of any 
like semblance of me or my life. Like yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's nothing queer really about it. There's nothing um, black about it. It's sense of humor is different than mine. And, and like, even like the aspirational aspect of like what living in New York might be like, that wasn't my fantasy of that yeah. for sure. So like on none of those levels did it work for me. You know, I would much rather watch sex in the city over and over again because I could identify yes, with that liking, show was obviously like that dick. was, yeah, obviously that was a show about women, but it's a very queer show. It's a queer I mean, show. Come on, you know. And so, like, I, I, that, you know, if I was going to fall into a white fantasy New York world, it would be that one. When was the first time that you felt like you saw yourself as a as a gay black man on television? Like, what was the first character that um, you were like, oh, that's me? Well, okay, this is going to come off as shady, and I don't mean it this way, but really because there really weren't any openly gay black men, if I'm being honest, it was probably Michael Jackson. Mm. Not because Michael Jackson, you know, is representing as an out gay man, and we do not need to have a conversation about Michael Jackson's sexual... No. Uh, you know, <laughs> we'll leave it alone. <laughs> we don't need to go there today. But, like, what I saw in him was a black man who was in no way limited by his blackness, mm. who obviously was embracing a femininity, for lack of a better word, or an androgyny. Um, he was queer in, in like the classic sense of what the word queer means. And something about him and Prince in particular, yes, I, like, I just I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what gay was, but I just knew that like they made sense to me more than anyone else. And, um, and then as I got older, um, you know, I, I want to say like Patrick E. and Polk, uh, who made punks. Yes. That was like the first time I really felt like there was gay black people that were kind of like me and my group of friends. Um, and then even though he's not gay, uh, Donald Glover's character in Community. Oh, um, I encountered that character around the time I was writing Lionel. And, you know, the way he plays Troy is like he's very like he just plays it like himself. And he's yeah. like. You know, it, it's he was a he's a quirky guy, and I just and I'm quirky and nerdy, and you know he's they're not giving you gay through that character, but it just made me feel like oh shit, I can put my just weird ass self on onto a television show. Yeah. And so um, something about him in that show made me feel like I could put myself uh, in Dear White People. Yeah. I think mine, and I've said this before, Jaleel White, Steve Urkel, but the yeah that I like. I just remember I I loved fuck I love Steve Urkel so hard and for whatever yeah. reason again the freedom in his mannerisms and the freedom in his like I obviously he's awkward and clumsy but it just wasn't I don't know there was something queer or maybe nerdy I don't know there was just something yeah, where there's I, something very queer about yes Steve yeah and then also Fresh Prince. Uh, yes, actually, that's the one. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince is the '90s sitcom. Yeah. Oh, I, fair. Like, yes. Living single is great. Yes. Don't get. No, but you're Fresh right. Prince really is like anytime you put that shit on, it hits yes. so hard. We still watch yes. it. We watch. It's Living Single and Fresh Prince that we're watching right yes. now. Yes. Oh, yeah. And Martin. And Martin's Mar in there too. Fuck Martin. Martin's in there too. Martin was exciting because. I, I, uh, the amount of characters that he played on that show was, it was just really so zany. Yeah, it was like some of it doesn't age well, and some of it, like, I especially it. with like progressive politics and stuff. Sure, I don't sure, know. Sure. But it was 
I was so exciting at the time. At the and time to like see this black man kind of play all these different characters in yeah. a way that it didn't feel like you were allowed to. And it also, I mean, I would have to rewatch it again. I don't know if it ages well, but at the time <laughs> <laughs> it felt very like, oh man, like, I want to do that. Like I want to be able to like play 15,000 yeah. characters. It, there was a freedom to it that it, uh, it was bold. Yeah. You know? It was funny the way like The Simpsons was funny or like Living Single was funny. I'm not Living Single. Living Color was was funny, but it was, you know, it was a sitcom. Um, yeah, that show's just great. Yes. For Fresh Prince, just his. And I would love to like fucking. Oh, I'm going to talk to you about. Do you watch Housewives? Okay, cool. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was like, it'll be fun to talk to you. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Woo! Black yes. joy, black joy. But I think ancestral. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that ancestral fucking scream. Um, I think the way that uh, Will Smith or Will's character, I don't know, would play with his femininity and masculinity. I think I could probably mm-hmm. write more. You're not wrong. I can write more all. nuanced conversations about that, but but at the time it was like, oh, I I don't know. I just like aspire to be Will. I don't know, right? And, and Carlton too. Carlton too. Yes. Who is not overtly gay, but I'm just kind of like I I knew that me and Carlton had something, something in common. common. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In like the words I didn't of know Alicia what it Keys, was. We got something in common. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, but you know, we had something in common, and we still do. <laughs> I don't know Alfonso, the, you know, the, but Carlton, the actor, but Carlton, Carlton we got and those sweaters and I share something, some, something, something, something. something. Um, yeah. Okay, well, let's just fucking do a hard segue to Housewives, which let's... my producer Judith and I were talking about this before you got on, so uh, she'll be very happy. Hi, Judith. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Housewife franchise, which is your favorite? Potomac. Okay. Yes. Yes. And it's my favorite because it's the best one. Don't at me. How dare you? It is. How dare you? I'm having this argument with a lot of people, and maybe it's just my loyalty to Atlanta, but why is Potomac the best for you? Because it is the... um, It's basically like all of the women are game. They all, they're all like on, right? So like they're all a hot mess, but they're all like, we're here to make great TV. And so they're just all really down for it. Yes. Um, and they also legitimately have a lot of money. Like there's like some really rich women on that show. Yes. So you see things like, you know, somebody like, you know, somebody having a, a pet parrot or a pet bird that flies around everywhere. Like that's just the kind of thing you really wouldn't see in Atlanta. And so like it to me, it's like the perfect blend of like the craziness of Atlanta and, you know, women who are, like, pulling from black culture and pulling from all kinds of funny shit, gay culture, mm-hmm. to make really good TV. But then it also, like, has the, like, the stakes of Beverly Hills, where you're like, these are, like, <laughs> a- these are, like, re- these are these people are, with actual, like, rich. businesses and, like, franchises and, like, you know, family dynamics that, like, take place on the national stage. So it's, like, both of those things. And so you get, like, I don't know. For me, it's, like, I get black, but I also get bougie, and I also get, like, it's, like, a new setting. It's it's neither New York or L.A., and Atlanta kind of feels like Houston to me. So, like, sure. it's just, like, it's, like, totally escape when I watch Potomac. Did you feel like Potomac was good out of the gate, though? No. it took, a, But they all take a while. Not at, well, I like Atlanta. Atlanta, you're right. Deshaun, Atlanta, you're with right. that. <laughs> 
no, you're right. You're right. Because doesn't Nini get kicked out or like she yes! doesn't get let oh, into the party in the first episode or something? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Somebody's yeah. party she doesn't get let into. And then Deshaun, the whole arc is that she's going to throw this yes. gala to raise millions. Yes! And then she does yes! it. And it's, oh. No, you're right. Atlanta was gold out the gate. You're right. And then Kim had that shiny uh, wig. And it was like the first time where, you know, there was like a white woman was the token. <laughs> like, yes. And she was the she was the hottest mess as well. Oh, yes. Which Always with a, a nice, cigarette, a red cup. It was a nice reversal of yes. what we were used to. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. That OG Atlanta really does go hard. Yeah, Atlanta so. to me is still my like number one, although Potomac is a is a close second. They they three seasons in a row, they have just blown my hair back. Like Atlanta I or Potomac? Potomac. I I cannot believe that they are making like it is just so like I don't know and you know with the with reality especially like the housewives I don't know how much of it is really their lives how much of it is like completely scripted how much of it is like the fights are real but they're coming up with a new reason for this I can't tell yeah, what yeah. the blend is on Potomac but I buy it every time like when these women get into these fights and these like I am on board and they go there <laughs> they go. like the like the whole like the husband might be gay thing going on for three seasons is I'm sorry that's masterwork. Michael Michael yeah yeah Michael that's yes. masterwork well, I love a season I love you're it's it's brilliant storytelling <laughs> and I know you appreciate brilliant storytelling because I, I live for the edits where it's like they start it's like five months later and then that's how you start the season and they're like oh Rewind. yeah that's when that's when you know it's about to get good as hell and what I also love is that like the different women are like they're all capable of playing all of the typical housewives, you know, archetypes. So like yes. someone can be a hero in one season and then be the villain the next. And they all like really just do it. Yes. Like with, they do it. They really commit to it. Whereas with Atlanta, you can feel there's some hesitancy from Nini and, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, what's her name? Twirl with the wind. Kenya. No, Kenya. There's a bit of an editing going on about what they want to show and stuff. And with Potomac, it's just, they, just are like, well, I feel go. like Potomac is young enough still that they're like, yeah. and I don't mean age wise, I mean season wise. They're like, what, right. season four, that they don't have, like, Nini's been doing this a long time. And she has to be guarded, you know, and Potomac, they're just like, they're like you want to know this? I'm also a mess in this way. And it's like, okay, great. Let's film that. <laughs> I have been, so Potomac, when, when they introduce Monique with the bird, that's when I was like, oh. I'm this, sorry. That's fucking genius. I just that she named T'Challa. I was like, oh, T'Challa. And the fact that Monique is the um, Lisa Vanderpump is like, I didn't even see that coming. I'm I was Team like, Monique, by the way. Are you? What I, team are you on? What are the two choices? I feel like, like it depends on which. I feel it like it's Monique or Candace. I'm I'm talking about Monique versus Candace. I'm, I'm Team Monique. I'm definitely Team Monique versus Candace. Yeah. K- uh, Karen or Giselle. Giselle. Giselle's house is wild. wild. I'm obsessed with Giselle. Like, I think she's so good at that show. It is like, because she's so messy, but she's also like lovely, kind of. She's stunning and wonderful and and drinks with her. Even when she does, because you know, I feel like all of them have to do some fuckboy shit as just part of the job. Yes. Like you have to stir the pot, you have to spread gossip, you yes. have to do something shady. Um, but when she does it, it—I don't know—it doesn't ever turn me off. I'm just like fully yeah, support yeah. it. Full, whatever yeah, I'm she's fully in, yeah. support it. I 
I have to say that what I do appreciate about Potomac, and I was saying this to Judith, was that their insults are basic. And they don't try and reinvent the wheel. They don't. Yeah. Candace is like, Ashley's a roach. And I'm going to tweet that she's a roach. <laughs> and that's that's the insult. Candace is the. <laughs> Candace and Ashley, if they ever become friends on oh, the show. Oh, you know it's coming. Oh, and you know team it's coming. Up, oh, I feel bad for anybody that's not on their team. You know both, it's coming. They both play dirty. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. And then they love to apologize after. But they. I love when Candace gets hyper articulate when she's wrong. You know, (laughs) like, well, you know, it actually at that juncture. okay, I didn't really believe that what you were saying came with the right kind of malintent. And you're like, what? But it's just like, sure. They're all they're just they they just play their parts. They do. They do know what their roles are. And it's really beautiful. Now, what do you feel about Garcelle? What do you feel about Garcelle as a everything? Everything. Garcelle is me. Point blank. Period. Garcelle on is that all show. of us. <laughs> everything. Hollywood. Everything from the not showing up to a few of them to leaving early to being behind that little like uh, blindfold thing last night when they were looking for her uh, to like coming out the gate being like Kyle, I don't like you. Everything <laughs> Garcelle says and does, I'm like that would be me. Like yeah. that would be me on the show. Yeah, I would definitely not show up to all these things. <laughs> She's like, listen, at the end of the day, y'all are a bunch of white women, uh, and I'm not here to play your best friend. And I love that they don't, she is not pretending. No. Like, I love that when we met her, she was like, here's my black friend. (laughs) Literally. Like, that was a scene. Episode three was like, here are my, which was so jarring. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this many black women on Beverly Hills. Right, but it was it was good though because I'm like you know people are like well is it weird that she's the only black person I'm like this is you this is the thing that I think is actually good about it is that like most black people particularly in Hollywood in California like that is our experience like yes. I have a I have a lot of black friends and I have a lot of white friends but when I'm with my white friends nine times out of ten I'm the only the black only person one. there yes. and so like that actually is part of the experience of being black in Beverly Hills. And I, I love that they didn't really shade that or shy away from it. It's like, yeah, it is a bit of a, she is having to kind of journey from a different place to be with them. Yes. And that, that actually is a part of what it feels like. When you see, because uh, uh, it's so funny, like I know that I am often at work or wherever, like the only black person among a bunch of white people or in WeHo. But when, and I don't feel anything about it because it's, you know, I've been, in private, like private white schools and universities for however long. So that's just been how I grew up. But whenever I see it, I'm like, huh, there's only one black person in there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. When you see it, it's different than when you're in it because you sort of become adjusted to it. Yeah. Then you see it and you're like, how was this tolerable and acceptable (laughs) for so long? You know, because it really is like you are someone put it to me the other day that was really lovely. And it was like the thing is, is that to be black in white spaces means that like oftentimes we have to be in character. Yes. And it doesn't it doesn't mean like it's not us, but it's like it's a very curated version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I'm depressed and I'm walking around the house because a black man was shot, like I don't bring that person to a party. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so like and so this time of so-called racial reckoning is actually an opportunity uh for us to figure out how to be ourselves, you know, and I think it is jarring for white people when we're actually being ourselves around them. Yes. Because they've never seen us you know, in this kind of pain, like sort of like pushed up against every other day reality. And um, I don't know. I it's I don't know why we I, I know why we do it, but it, it's it's almost automatic that we sort of are 
I don't know. It's kind of been the norm. of ourselves. Yes. With white people. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of all, it's all, it feels like it's always been the norm. And part of it is like getting ahead. And part of it is just like, well, you know, I think also for me, uh, as you know, as a queer black person where sometimes you're not black enough and then sometimes you're not white yeah. enough. And so there's sometimes a safety in it because there's no one questioning your blackness at times. Well, there's no, there, there's a, uh, the gay black culture, where is it? And, and this is not the fault of gay black people, mind you, because there's a lot of gay black creators trying to make culture, but it usually gets funneled up through, you know, black female culture, which is wonderful. I stand Beyonce, all that, mm -hmm. um, you know, or it gets appropriated by white people, but there isn't like, like black gay maleness is not like a protected thing right. by any group. It's not like black people as a whole, we're not really doing enough to protect that. Uh, certainly not in the gay community. Is there really any meaningful effort to sort of protect and foster, you know, gay black masculinity? And so you have things like, um, you know, I think black lesbian women, you know, partially because of hip hop, you know, maybe they have a little bit of an edge, but truthfully, like there's not a lot of black queer um, solidarity in my experience, not opinion, but experience, yeah. you know, in, in, in the black community at large. And so we have, we, we, I find that like black gay men, we're often just adrift, you know, in a, in another culture, we're either trying to like find ourselves in a black masculine culture, or we're trying to find ourselves in a white gay culture, or we're trying to find ourselves with a patchwork of cultures. Yeah. But there's no, there's really not a lot of like, yay, gay black men. There's like that. That's Why not do a you thing. think that is? Because I think uh, I, racism and homophobia combined, right? you know, it's sort of like it's uh, I think that, you know, if we want to really go there, which I think we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> wait, you know, the, the way white supremacy works is that it puts pressure on communities that are not white. And in particular, it has historically put a lot of pressure on the black community mm. and within the black community in order to withstand that pressure, this idea of like the strong black man uh, and strong black masculinity that that hits a certain way and that sort of like corresponds with, you know, Christianity as it was colonized into us. Like it just sort of created this perfect storm to where we continue to oppress ourselves mm. in the way that we were oppressed. Because the thing is, is that like there was a time in this country where queer encompassed black people too. Yeah. Queer just meant the other. It just meant anything that wasn't white, male, straight. And, um, and so like, you know, one of the things that white people have done over the years to subjugate black people is to breed out of us all of the qualities that they found queer, including, you know, homosexuality. Mm -hmm. And and so that means like in our culture and black culture, we don't really know how to hold space for it at large because we were just not allowed to really right. until recently. Right. And so it hasn't it just isn't there to the degree that other you know, aspects of, of black culture are. And um, I think that's part of it. Do you... We don't know... Like, a, like straight black men don't know how, culturally, to stand up for uh, queer black men right now. They just don't know how to do it. It's an awkward fit. It's not like people are homophobic and they hate gays, but it's just like... How, no one taught that. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, you know? I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, there. I think there are some who could give a fuck, but I do think there's this this gray area of people who, as you're saying, like, don't know how to do it, even if they're not yeah, homophobic. They care. They're just like, they care, but they they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to Like, what are they supposed to do? Yes, queen. Like, they have no idea how to engage in it. Yes. And, and we don't have, honestly, within the black community, we really don't have 
a lot of solidarity. And look, here's the thing. I'm an introvert, okay? There is like, I'm a part of like a, a black gay brunch group. I went maybe two times. That is because I'm an introvert. So I'm not saying I'm only solution. I'm, the, I'm part of the solution. I don't know what I am. But, uh, but I, I think part of it though is that they're really, um, it's just so fringe. When you do find gay black male culture being um, promoted and uh, even re- much more rarely, you know, black queer cultures encompassing all the different versions of being queer um it's just it's always on the fringe mm. it's always like so it's not something that like has gained like a national you know there, there's a you, there's a it, black women have it the worst out of anyone i think in this country uh black women and black trans people and and all that but i will say there is a culturally we understand what it means to support black women like black girl magic is a thing is a concept in culture there's not a black queer Mm. magic movement in culture there's not a celebrate and protect black queer people i feel like the first time i ever heard that black queer lives matter was maybe two months ago oh a thousand percent i I heard that in popular a thousand percent How do we, do you have any thoughts on like how we create solidarity amongst ourselves as queer people? I think for, I, I think doing things like this, um, honestly, talking to each other, sharing information, doing each other's podcasts, hanging out. I think that's a big, important thing that like, especially in quarantine, I'm realizing, oh, I got to really put in energy to that. Like, yeah. Oh, you're a gay black person doing it too. Great. Let's just, let's make it a priority to like meet up yeah. you know, and, and talk through our shit. Um, and, and then the other part of it is just like being unapologetic about my black queerness and putting it in my work mm. because like I, I came up and I think it's actually true that I really had to sneak it in. Lionel is sort of like a he's he's secretly the protagonist of of the film Dear White People yeah um, because especially at that time there was no representation for gay black men that were not just you know so flamboyant or almost like caricatures right uh, that was such a new idea uh, it, it seems crazy to think that but yeah like yeah. six years ago like that was unheard of yeah and so Lionel kind of has to come in through the back door and um, you know even with bad hair there's a queer sensibility to it, but I'm telling a story about a black woman because women in horror movies is a, you know, it's a trope. And obviously as a, a, a gay black man, like I have a very intimate connection to black femininity right. um, and feel like I can talk about it. But like, you know, Moonlight doesn't get made by a gay black man mm. and win an Oscar. It gets made by a straight black man to win an Oscar. It's, it's, and even that movie is like, it's, it's about homosexuals, but is it about gay people? Is it about people who are out and proud? And mm, not really. Right. It just it all it feels like we're always those stories are always put to the fringes. And so part of what I'm trying to do is like, okay, well, how do I put it in the fucking mainstream? Yeah. Because so much mainstream culture comes directly from black queer, queer culture. black culture. <laughs> yes, like directly. Percent. Yes. The the slang that we're using, the fashion, the music we're listening yes. to, the aesthetics on Instagram, yes. the you know, color story. Like uh, like it is mind-blowing how much comes from gay from queer black people. And I think we I think we're at that point where it's time to just say like no. We're going to say what this is. Yeah. We're going to own it. And I'm not going to just tell my story through really wonderful female characters or, you know, through a gay character that's like kind of on the side. Like, I want to tell my stories in the middle of the thing. Yeah. Um, and we have to kind of fight for that. I think that you just brought up such a uh, saying it, I think, is 
And maybe because of these last couple months, people have more freedom to say these things. But it is this thing that I realize just personally and from my experience where it's like you are trying to hide it. And I've never been in my in my career. I've never been in the closet. But I have understood that there's a way that I have to play and finagle. And when you, um, you know, pump up more queerness and when you bring it back down and how to play with your queerness so you can get ahead as opposed to just like calling a thing a thing and being like that thing that you're doing is completely black queer ball culture so like what what do we black queer is like a layer in photoshop it's like we click it on and off depending on where or we move it back you know depending on where we are and it's not because we're ashamed it's because we know that like it could be detrimental to our careers yes. and to um, you know our social our social life. Yes. And so it's it's a defense mechanism that it's not like throw it out, but at the same time, I'm trying to figure out like how can I challenge it though in my own way. Yeah. And and really make it a priority to tell black queer stories and to mainstream. Like I have to say, I'm I'm really like some might think it's too much. There's been a RuPaul's Drag Race on for years, it feels like. Like, we have RuPaul's Drag Race, we have RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, we have Canada, we have the UK, we have, you know, the various, like, the live celebrity, shows. Celebrity. The, the, we the, have <laughs> Celebrity, we have We Are Here, we have all the... Uh, yeah. And and it, like, it actually... There's something very political about that. Mm-hmm. Because RuPaul, in a, in a relatively short amount of time, has mainstreamed what I think was probably the most fringe aspect yes. of black queer culture. Yes. And now it's like, it's it's so in the mainstream now that it's almost like, it's almost like Pat. It's like, yeah, drag queens. Like it's so, yes. and, and we need to be doing that with all aspects of our lives. Yes. And in, in the way that RuPaul has so clearly actively made that his mission yeah. is to like, I'm going to normalize drag. Yeah. And that is exactly what's happening. And I think the next step for me inside of that, you know, it, it's super exciting to see like everyone watching Drag Race or into drag or mm-hmm. whatever. But I also feel like the next part of that is, which is why I appreciate you as a, as a filmmaker and as a storyteller, is what is the full story of that person, right? Because there's, yeah. it's still in, it's still steeped in the transformation and the glamour of it and yeah. the catchy which is wonderful but then there's like well when does that person get to like like what are they doing when that makeup is off and they're home by themselves and not in a competition right, right? like what what is that version of it and and can we as queer people be valued especially black queer people be valued if we don't put on makeup for you if we don't get into right. our heels if we don't snap our fingers like where is the value for for those stories especially in large groups you know like there hasn't mm-hmm. been anything since Noah's Ark. Like, what? Like, what? Why is that? I feel like there's something really uh, gross about the fact that th- that we that Black queer people aren't allowed to be on camera or tell stories in such a as just being themselves. It's just being yeah. regular as fuck. I think I think part of it is we get it from both sides. We get it from white gay communities. We get it from white people at large. We get it from black people. We get like there's just so much shame and homophobia that you know we're just getting kind of killed from all angles. Yeah. I think, but yet are so relied upon, you know, so relied upon Ooh, to create culture. So relied, like literally creating culture. I mean, black gay people are everywhere in entertainment. Everywhere like and nowhere. Behind, behind everywhere and nowhere. nowhere. Behind everywhere every look. Nowhere. Every look every that time, you're every like, time, ah! Probably every look, every time, every time you like cut to them in a dance rehearsal, who's the choreographer? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yes. we're like, we're, 
we're literally creating this from the ground up. Creating and images, creating brands, creating empires for people. For other people. Mm-hmm. And it's we've been doing that since the beginning of the country, by the way. But now it just feels particularly galling, yeah. I have to say. Because I don't get called to direct Black Panther. But I also don't get called to direct Moonlight either. I live in this like in-between spot as Oof. a gay filmmaker. And that shit's just real. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just saying but it's that what, is what it, it is. is. Like, yeah. I'm not thought of when you think of black male directors because I'm a black gay man. Yeah. And I'm also not who you think of when you think of gay directors or avant-garde directors because of, you know, I, I fit into this other category in your mind. Yeah. And it's 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 frustrating. Well, let me ask you, because I could talk to you forever, but let me ask you this last question, because we're hitting yeah. that. So with all of being on the fringes and with all of the, you know, oppression and all of the getting it from both sides, from black straight culture, from white straight culture, and like the the fight to not be erased, I'm sure that takes mm. an emotional toll. And for you to also be one of the few uh, queer black filmmakers that are that are in the forefront in the public. How what's your safe space? How do you how do you recharge and revitalize so that you can have the fuel to to not be erased? I'm trying to work on it mm. to be honest with you, but it it is it's both recognizing that what I do is not who I am, even though I'm incredibly passionate about what I do, but like there needs to be time where I'm not trying to come up with some brilliant ass way to attack white patriarchy. And I just need to like make spaghetti with my boyfriend and smoke weed and watch the housewives. Like that time is actually very important to me where like, we're not saving the world. We are just here for each other and we're listening and we're engaging and we're having fun. And there's just downtime, you know, where I don't have to be on Yeah, because I think that's the thing is that like to be a gay black man and to navigate society, you have to, you have to have it. You have to be able to turn on. Yeah, You just do. And I need, I need, I need space and time to turn off. And I also, you know, therapy has really helped me with this, Mm. really helped me with this, but like recognizing when it's not my shit, like people in Hollywood are so good at making you feel the pain that they're feeling and taking it on and solving it for them without like you realizing, oh wait, that's their problem, you know? And, and particularly when I'm running a show, you know, uh, where, yeah, it's my show, but I'm not paying for it. I don't own the rights to it. I'm not setting the production schedule. I'm not setting the salaries. Like I'm actually in the middle of a process. So I don't need to take ownership over all of your issues, you know, studio or network and all of your issues, you know, cast and crew. Like I, I, I owe everybody a little bit, but I, I can't take on all, all of, of your things, yeah. you know, as if it was my fault. And like, you know, oh, my God, I got to I got to like, you know, pray that they let me keep making the show because I just barely got in the door as a black gay man. Like I have to shed some of that mm. stuff. And, you know, I gave my mom this advice when she was dealing with a doctor. And I was like, Mom, you got to talk like a white lady. You got to, like, you got to get in there and, and, and ask to see some managers, you know? And I think, yes. like, I think, like, this racial reckoning, and I keep putting quotation marks because really, but, yes, like, this moment, this moment in time, though, what it's been really good for is, I think, letting black people know that, okay, maybe this is time to stop asking for permission. Yes. And it's time to just get in there and just say it how you feel and like say no and and to push back and to pull away boundaries protect yourself that's what i feel i mean this racial reckoning or global awakening has definitely been like oh boundaries i i i I 
have not had boundaries. It's like if you, no. if, I, if I, oh, you need me where to do what can do, I, I'll take it all on. And now it's like, we'll do it. We'll do it. You're gonna let me in. You let me in. I'm acceptable. You're, I get paid. You're gonna let Great. me in the room. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm here. And it's like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Boundaries and boundaries. We gotta pull that back. Yeah. We gotta pull that energy back a little bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Justin. This has been this is wonderful. I mean, we talked about so quick. so quick. We talked about music. We did housewives. <laughs> we, we did. We covered a we full covered a range full, of topics. It was a whole thing. Well, yeah. thank you so much. And your podcast, when does it uh, It's called Don't At Me. It's out right now. Yes. Uh, we have a shady ass episode with Janixa Bravo that just came out. We have uh, uh, Alma Harrell who did Honey Boy. Uh, out and Sam J who did an amazing Netflix uh, special called brilliant, 3 a.m. in the brilliant, morning. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. And a lot of guests coming this season. Amazing. We got Issa, we got Don Davis. It's going to be hot. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. all right. Well, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate you and I hope to see you soon. Absolutely, man. Right. Thank you so much for having yes, me. Yes, absolutely. Take care. Tag me on all the things. Tagging you on all the things. Okay. <laughs> Um, so that was my conversation with Justin, who I adore, and my BKG learning moment, which is like what I feel like I've learned, and I learned quite a bit. One, uh, what I uh, what I solidified is that Housewives of Atlanta is still number one. That's that's maybe that's more of a teaching moment than a learning moment, but Potomac is fabulous. But you know, I don't want to start any fights. But I will fight you if you say anything else. <laughs> uh, also, you know, in terms of Justin's thoughts on how we, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How we bring together black queer people inside of the black community. This idea of, you know, making sure that we are loud and proud about who we are and infusing our queerness in our work in the way that we want to see it. And I think that's so important because, you know, just even as an actor, no one's going to write a full human being, a full queer black human being, the way that those of us who are black and queer can write them. Uh, And no one is as interested as we are in creating that. So I think that Justin is really onto that. And also the the, uh, seeking out of community, making sure that we are, uh, as black queer folk, Supporting each other and holding up each other. You know, if the world is not going to respect and support and honor and value our lives, we at the very least have to value each other and our own lives. Um, So that's that's a learning moment for me. Um, And the boundaries, (laughs) which I'm still struggling with myself, honey. But the boundaries, the, the being able to say, you know, I can't. I can't be responsible for everything. So what is it that I can be responsible for? Uh, and, and also the value of mental health inside of all of this. The value of you know, seeking out therapy, counseling, whatever it is to really help solidify what those boundaries are. Because as queer black folk, I think you know, we, we want to take it all on. We want to we wanna be validated. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. And so we end up taking on more than we probably should. And so establishing our boundaries is an extremely important um, aspect for the uh, wholeness of our existence. That's what I learned. What y'all learned? 
want to thank Justin Simeon again for joining the show. Don't forget to check out his new horror film, Bad Hair, being released on Hulu October 23rd, and his podcast, Don't At Me, on Starburns Audio. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and comment on any platforms you listen to your podcast. Also, if you want to see the video version of this interview, it'll be available a week from today on my YouTube page, at Brandon K. Good. Now, if you are like the many people who just can't wait every week for this show to drop, you can catch sneak peeks of upcoming conversations on my IGTV page at Brandon K. Good, on Tom Ellis's IGTV page at official Tom Ellis, or honey, on the Black Folks Instagram, which you should absolutely follow, Black Folks, F-O-L-X. And you know I want to hear from you. So if you have a question, email blackfolkspodcast at gmail.com. Remember that is spelled black folks, F-O-L-X podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. And just in case you haven't heard it yet, I love you so much. Bye. Podcast Network.